1: Welcome to another edition of Winning Ponies. Glad you tuned in and want to once again remind you that uh, after we do this show live, uh, it will be on podcast, so uh, tell your friends to put it on their phone and listen to it whenever they want to. Uh, Got some uh, good guests, uh, one I haven't talked to in a long time, and that's Lenny Shulman. Uh, you may remember the name. The guy's done just about everything in communications. Uh, you know, I'm talking about uh, he's an Emmy award-winning writer. Uh, he's been in magazines, television, uh, newspaper, film. Uh, he is, uh, uh, how about this, as a, as a TV entertainer, he worked nine years as writer and producer of the popular children's show Kids Incorporated, and from there, he goes on to write and work for Andrew Dice Clay. <laughs> on the feature film Dice Rules. He also did a couple other HBO comedy specials. He's a bit of a comedian himself. I'm sorry that uh, we no longer have Lenny's Place uh, showing on air anymore, but uh, I'm sure there was some executive decision behind that. and Not because Lenny wasn't uh, really good at what he does, but what he also is is a really fabulous writer. And it's hard to believe it's been almost a year since Justify began his Historic run through the Triple Crown series. And, uh, you know, Eddie, uh, Eddie, Lenny, being the uh, features that are at the Blood Horse, is right on top of things. And he was right there for the whole ride with Justify, decided to chronicle it all and to write a new book out called Justify 111 Days to Triple Crown Glory. And uh, believe me, uh, Lenny is one outstanding. Standing wordsmith and uh, this is going to be a book we're all going to want to uh, get I've read some excerpts haven't read the whole book yet uh, which I am greatly looking forward to but so Lenny Shulman will be on to uh, uh, chime in on several aspects of thoroughbred racing and then of course Probably our most popular guest here on Winning Ponies, the one and only Ed Meyer will be with us. You know, first I want to get Ed's read on you know, the top derby horses and who he's liked, who's on the fence, who could be a good long shot. We're a long ways from them drawing for post, and things will probably change. As you know, uh, every year going into the Kentucky Derby, something happens to a horse or two that uh, they miss a work or uh, they get sidelined because they lose a shoe or who knows. There's a thousand things that they can go right and only A thousand things that go wrong and only one thing that go right, and that's hitting that finish line first. So Ed's going to join us not only to talk about his top derby horses, but to uh, help me with races across the country. You know, now all the derby and oaks preps are over. So different tracks all of a sudden, you know, pop up with a really nice feature. uh, But they're everywhere. You know, not that many are running uh, five-card stakes cards. Uh, So we're going to go to Santa Anita, Laurel Park. Uh, Keeneland and Charlestown, how's that for a mix? But I've handicapped alongside Ed Meyer for many many years and know that he's up to the task. Well, want to once again thank our friends at Woodbine Entertainment for backing Winning Ponies Radio, greatly appreciate them and the Winning Ponies website where you can go to get your easy win forms. And as we're going to be doing races, uh, from Laurel, they had a nice hit back on lucky april 13th at laurel a 50 cent super five returned two thousand three hundred and eighteen dollars and a track i'm very familiar with because i know a lot of the players just two days ago mahoning they run a lot of off days but boy they have a lot of full field so there's opportunities there uh one dollar super key from the easy win forms brought home a 2075 ticket and uh Don't forget, Gulfstream's still running. We uh, brought home a $1 Super 5 key of $1,552. So go to winningponies.com. Check out the Easy Win forms. Relatively inexpensive to a lot of the other uh, uh, sheets that are out there. And as you can see, we bring home some nice prices. Okay, that's what's going to be on the show. I hope you stayed up late on Friday night. Actually, by the time this race went off, it was Saturday morning at 110, and it was the final start for the outstanding race mare, Winks, and she went out with her 33rd straight win. 25 of those were group ones, and this race just happened to give trainer Chris Waller his 100th group one score. I mean, amazing feats for both of them. But Winks, she was something else. Uh, if, you, if you got to watch her, uh, she, she wasn't a catch-me-if-you-can, Philly and Mare. She liked to sit back, watch the competition, and about uh, oh, three furlongs out or so, start making her move. And she's had some close calls in those 33 wins, but she just knows where the, the finish line is. But to watch her final race was just—I mean—it gave me goosebumps. Um, it was the Queen Elizabeth Stakes, the Grade One. Uh, it was just fantastic. Of course, these most of her races taking place uh, in Australia and uh, at Royal Randwick. It was so great. After uh, they finally got to the finish line, they let her gallop out. She went up on the turn, and they took their time, you know, coming back and uh, stopped before she got to the grandstand for a while and uh, then uh, just posed and then galloped by as if she was going to the uh, winner's enclosure. And uh, she just went right on by and went all the way up to the quarter pull again. You know, meanwhile, uh, they... Uh, just cheered her and she stopped and she posed Uh, it was absolutely uh, fantastic and uh, then she went by the grandstand again and there were like 90,000 plus there and it just didn't stop I mean you had to see it but to think that at any level particularly all the graded group races that she ran in 33 straight wins Uh, it was just unbelievable Uh, so Winx is off they haven't decided yet exactly who she'll be bred to they're going to take their time as you know they're on a different calendar down there than than we are Uh, but uh, hats off to Winx uh, and I'm sure there's already authors typing away at their computers uh, writing the story of Winx I look forward to it coming out well Omaha Beach, what can we say? Pretty impressive. And he's taken over the number one position from Roadster uh, with the uh, triumph in the Arkansas Derby uh, at Oaklawn Park. So, right now, the top three year olds are this is according to the NTRA poll Omaha Beach, Roadster, Tacitus, Game Winner, Improbable, Vacoma maximum security and let's round the top 8 9 10 with code of honor war of will and by my standards uh, so uh those are the horses you'll want to look at. Also, a lot of times we, we tune in on Steve Haskins' Derby Dozen, and uh, that comes out all the time on the Blood Horse. You'll have to you'll have to give give it a look. Well, I know I'm getting crunched for time, and we had a lot of races to look at last week. And I want to thank my friends at Keeneland for being very gracious to us. Uh, we had a great turf publicist uh, seminar uh, just yesterday. And uh, they treated us great. Uh, the topics were super. The people that were there were uh, top-notch. Got to meet some new faces, which is always great. And I want to thank uh, both, both Amy's, uh, Amy Gregory and Amy Owens from Keeneland for uh, helping host the event. But needless to say, I've been down there the last two Saturdays. This Saturday, last Derby points, the Stone Street, Lexington, and it was Owendale who got the job done going, uh, rallying from eighth and got up at the three quarter pole and took over, uh, Owendale, uh, who was ridden by Florence Giroux, uh, got points, but not enough to get in. The ones that really needed, uh, some, some points were, uh, another twist of fate who ran second, finishing third was, uh, Sueno, who was kind of bothered after the start. So, uh, maybe we'll see some of these horses perhaps down the road or in the pat day mile, uh, but probably not in the Kentucky Derby. We did a lot of races at Oaklawn Park. Remember, the action started on Friday, okay? So that was the grade three fantasy, half a million dollars on the line, and Lady Apple, who stayed with the pace the whole way, just snuck through on the rail with Ricardo Santana. I remember Vic Stauffer saying, just bet every horse Asmussen has in a stake this week. Well, this Kicked it off pretty much. It was eight and nine all the way around, uh, meaning that it was uh, motion emotion. Uh, the favorite and Brill, but uh, getting them on the inside, sneaking through was Lady Apple, and it was motion emotion. Second, Mike Smith up, and third was number nine Brill. Okay, earlier on the Oaklawn card, uh, I should say the earliest Saturday in the Oaklawn card because that was Friday, the Count Fleet Sprint, the winner. Matoli, rail speed is what I liked and was not a problem. Went wire to wire over Whitmore, uh, who was a clear second by seven lengths over Bourbon Cowboy. So, uh, guess who trains Matoli? Steve Asmussen. Thanks for the advice, Vic. It was good. <laughs> All right, ninth race, the Oak Lawn Handicap. And uh, this was a five horse blanket finish. And getting up was kind of the mystery horse. He was really touted last year and then all of a sudden uh, disappeared after the preakness and now has been back. Quip, trained by Rodolphe Brousset, the Frenchman, ridden by Jose Ortiz, in the five horse photo, got up by a neck. Over lone sailor, the Tom Amos trainee, and he was just a neck in front of Pioneer Spirit. Uh, so uh, that's a, that's a look at the Oaklawn handicap. Now moving into the Arkansas Derby, already gave that one away. Omaha Beach, who was 19th in the Derby points, shoots up. Yeah, took over at the half mile pole one by one. Now the track was very, very sloppy. I don't know if that compromised some of the other runners or showed another dimension of Omaha Beach, but uh, a lot of people are putting this horse as their favorite, trained by the Cools of Cucumber, Richard Mandela, another talented son of Warfront that debuted primarily on the turf and seems to like the dirt. In the second spot, One of Baffert's top horses, improbable, can't leave this one out, Uh, had to break from the rail. And in the third spot, may sneak into the Derby Country House, another Bill Mott rainy. long-range toddy we had uh, john court on the show last week uh finished off the board might have been compromised by the off track we'll see if that's the reason that i do believe he has enough points to put him in the starting gate on the first saturday in may and then we had to push forward to sunday for the apple blossom and uh the the winner in there. Midnight Bizu who was odds on to win at 4 to 5 but man she had to work cuz running her down or should say lasting at the wire was escape clause at 8 to 1 tried to make it from flag fall to that's all but couldn't get there for Tyler Bays so Midnight Bizu Gets up by a nose in the apple blossom. All right, that's a look at the national, international news, and the races we highlighted last week. Right now we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to talk to my main man, Lenny Shulman. I'm John Engelhart. You're listening to Winning Ponies. <laughs> All right, I've been looking forward to this all week. I gave you most of his bio at the top of the show, you know, highlighted of the fact that... Uh Went everywhere from the popular children's show to Kids Incorporated uh, to working with one of the diciest comedians on the circuit, Andrew Dice Clay. Uh, that that's quite a broad spectrum, right there. But uh, now he's turned out to be one of the top uh, writers uh, in thoroughbred racing, and I should say observers of thoroughbred racing because uh, when you read uh, Justify and the way he uh, not only covers the horse, but covers the, the places where the horse ran, and I love his uh, uh, observation of like Belmont Park, what it would be on a regular day, and what it was on a Belmont day, and uh, if I get a chance during the interview, I'll, I'll pull some of the ex- ex- excerpts out of what I got to read um, at uh, the Blood Horse, so with no further ado, the author of Justify, 111 Days to Triple Crown Glory, Lenny Shulman, always good to hear your voice. Hey,
3: John, how you doing? Thanks for that intro. I
1: don't know if I can live up to it, but uh,
3: I, and you don't want me to do any dicer or uh, yeah. So.
1: Well, you know, I, feel free. You know, we can uh, we can wing it here. But uh, you, you, you you've lived a very very interesting uh, life. Uh, I, you know, ha- have you kind of uh, changed your focus? I mean, because I, I I've been involved in television production and things like that, and it's such a different world than than, than writing a book. Uh, also, you've got to stay busy yeah. as the features editor at the Blood Horse. Uh, do you see yourself kind of uh, evolving um, into more of an author than, uh, what do you got for me, next guy?
3: Yeah, I think you hit something interesting, you know, because in L.A., uh, it, it is a different kind of writing. You know, the television world is a different kind of writing than, you know, what, what you would do at the Blood Horse uh, week in and week out. And, um, yeah, it is. It's a different world. Uh, but ultimately, it's really nice to, to see your work, you know, come to fruition and be in print. So even though you're, you're kind of, <laughs> out of out of the Hollywood thing, it, it, there's a real upside. And, uh, yeah, I really wanted to, to move to Kentucky and be involved with uh with the horse industry and, uh, yeah, it's led to the books and I'm very thankful for that. Kentucky seems to be fertile ground, you know, for, for storytelling and, um, yeah, yeah, it's, uh, I've been real happy Kentuckian uh, for, for 20 years and it's
1: given me the time to kind of pursue these other things. So yeah, it's been good. It's been really good. Real quickly, uh, Lenny, because I want to get into 111 days of Triple Crown glory. Um, what was your your intro to horse racing? Was it in New York? Was it in L.A.? What what kind of put the claws into you?
3: Yeah, my father uh, took me when uh, when I was a kid to Belmont Park. You know, maybe once a year. You know, nothing uh, real crazy. But I I had the advantage of growing up in a place called Westbury. Uh, which was five minutes from uh, Roosevelt Raceway, which was the jewel of uh, harness racing back uh, when I was growing up in the in the in the sixties uh, and, and early seventies. So, yeah, me and my buddies would sneak away and uh, go to Roosevelt
1: uh, a lot of nights, and uh, that that put the first charge <laughs> into me. <laughs> it doesn't it doesn't take much but it's great that you never lost it with all the other things you did in between that and then finally signing on uh, with the blood horse so w- real quick let's get right yeah. in to to your book now you know justify came on the scene like lightning And, you know, always had some doubters, the curse of Apollo. And, uh, you know, is this a one of a Baffert flash in the pan? Or is this the real deal? No no horse can do this in that amount of time. Um, Did you, I, when did all of a sudden you, was there a point where you said, this is book worthy? I've got to follow this horse and write a book.
3: You know, that didn't come until really after the fact, after the racing career. Um, and it was at the, uh, um, I have to give credit to a friend who gave me the idea, which I will, but, but uh, I'll tell you what made the affinity, John, was uh, I, I was out there in California doing a story on Bafford and doing a bunch of other stories. And uh, I, I was interviewing Bob and did a you know, great hour-long interview with him. And I had another one to jump to right away. And I said, thank you. And I got up to leave. And he said, "Uh, you want to come see the Derby winner? Wow. It's like, really? Did you just ask me that question? I'm not (laughs) going to say no. And at that point, you know, McKenzie had been a grade one winner already and was clearly his top three year old as far as anybody knew. And uh, so just the way he said it, just just the way he asked the question, do you want to come see the Derby? I knew there was some twist to it. And uh, sure enough, he walks me over into the other barn and, couple of spells down there they come across this (laughs) unbelievable specimen John it's just one of those horses who hit you you know you've seen a million horses I have too sometimes they just hitch over the head gorgeous gorgeous animal and boom something happened right there you know I was like okay this is a story you know and Bob wouldn't have said that. And we had it back and forth, because I actually wrote it in a column, you know, what Balford had said, you want to come see the dirty way. And uh, he, he, he texted me back immediately. He goes, you're going to get me in trouble. You shouldn't have said that. I said, come see the dirty now I was just kidding around. So I texted him back and said, Bob, in my defense, it didn't sound like you were kidding around. I get a text in two seconds. He goes, I wasn't, LOL. You know, so, yeah. That there was something really special going on there. He knew it, and that's the kind of horse that he is, to have a maiden winner sitting in that barn and telling you that this is the horse that's going to win the Kentucky Derby. So, yeah, from that point on, there was definitely something about the whole story that uh, I just maybe felt faded that, that I was going to be close to the story throughout. So, uh, yeah, it was pretty special.
1: So along the way, I know you attended the Triple Crown. Were you sketching notes? Were you making observations of things around you? Because just from what I read from your Belmont uh, (laughs) excerpt that is in The Blood Horse, you know – you talking about uh, on any given day you could upgrade your seat for five bucks, but uh, on this day right. it would be five hundred. Um, you know, right. and, but you gave a beautiful, you know, the the, the whole idea of uh, oh, what was the word? Uh, Hard boiled handicappers, I think, was one of the, something I, I've never heard before, but I will steal and use. Uh, I just. <laughs> i i love the fact that you you really uh, paint a marvelous picture uh, of the places of where the events happened
4: well th-
3: thank you yeah that was special um yeah that, that's actually the chapter you read is really the first chapter of the book and it's really setting the scene for for the belmont states itself you know for for the last 15 minutes sort of leading up to it so yeah I, that that worked out well as a place to get into the story but uh yeah, John, it, it, the, the people who are lucky enough to, to have been there for American Pharaoh, you know, 4 years ago and then for that it it, it, it it's such a special atmosphere Belmont, there's it, it, electricity. It's you know, it is. It, it's like the 7th game of a World Series when a horse is going for the triple crown there. It, it you know, it's just one of those incredible sports atmospheres. And uh, so yeah, it, it's really special. I just feel so happy to to have been there to cover it, but To to go back to your original point, I got really lucky because I I did a big piece on you know, back in March and April. I did a big piece on John Gunther, who was the breeder of Justify, back in March or April that year. I had done a piece on the Windstar Training Farm, which happened to be the place where he was raised and broken as a two-year-old, so I I knew all those people. So I, I was not thinking about writing a book as it was happening, but as luck would have it, I had... Done stories with a lot of the principles uh, involved, so that made it easier when I did decide to do the book to, to be able to go back to those people and just kind of top off those stories rather than, you know, kind of starting from scratch with it all, so, so that was a, a big benefit.
1: Well, uh, you know, it's funny, I, I saw you in the press box at Keen, Keeneland about a week ago, and you make this one statement in here about a little bit of how things have changed from the, you know, the the cigar smoking guys, uh, you know, sitting there. Oh, there you go. Hard-boiled wise guys. I'm reading it now. uh, Banging on a living on a typewriter. And then now how things are done so differently. And one thing that when I looked around the Keeneland press box last week, there were about a half a dozen guys there and the rest of the press box were women. And you even state right now is that, uh, that, 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 Guys like us were the graying leftovers from the last generation and are outnumbered now by young women who bring a new and different energy of fandom to the enterprise of turf writing. I thought that was interesting because I've experienced it lately. I was at the turf publicist, uh, Mm -hmm. I won't call it seminar, but we get together every year and we bring speakers in. And I looked around the room and there were only four men there and the rest were the young women that you've described in your article.
3: Yeah. It's, it's kind of j- just, uh, you know, anecdotally, you know, it, it, it's kind of gone that way at the blood horse, you know, there, there's still a lot of guys, you know, my age or came in with me around my time or before me too, mm-hmm. um, who are still around, but, but the new hires, t- uh, are, are trending very much, you know, toward, toward young women. And, uh, yeah, there's just a love of the horse there. I, I think that I'm not sure, you know, every every guy shares. Uh, I think it's more prone to happen in, in women. Or, you know, there's a real affinity for, for the animal itself. Um, but but yeah, there, there's no question. It's a it's a different press box, and and you know <laughs> that's a that's a good thing <laughs> considering the press box is what I've been at through through my 20 years. So uh, yeah yeah, but. Uh, yeah, I really, yeah, New York is so great, John. Be, you know, having grown up there and, and having the Belmont there and then being able to kind of describe the atmosphere that day, you know, the, uh, and uh, it, it's really special. It's special to go back there every year. It's such a historic place.
1: Well, you do it's such a, a marvelous job in describing it. And I, I also like the way that um, you described, Now, know, again, I can't compare it to the Derby and the Preakness, because uh, I don't have my autographed copy yet, which I know's in the mail. But you know, mail's slow. I understand <laughs> that, Lenny, but. But with what I do have, I loved your your description of Justify uh, at, at the Belmont Stakes, because as inexperienced he was in his position, Justify uh, has all the spring, remains aloof from the cacophony raining down upon him. He's a magnificent specimen of a thoroughbred, his long body built for speed, a lengthy stride, power, stamina. These are Lenny's words, not mine. But uh, I, I try trust you were there or you couldn't absorb uh, this but was it true that when he walked into the paddock area to be saddled the other horses like kind of looked at him and started whinnying, like oh my god who's this guy
3: well well not 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 winning but but the day he arrived at, at belmont park john was uh, i believe the wednesday before the race and you know the the, the duty of surf riders is to camp out and be there when these arrivals happen and he steps off the van and uh so i was there of course and uh he comes off the van and jimmy Barnes hands him off to bob Baffert and the belmont barns they're a big oval you can walk around at it in a very long large circle and uh so bob took him and started walking him around just to check him out how he made the trip you know from louisville and everything and uh he bob came out and did his bit with the media nothing flashy and me and a couple other guys had stayed around and after a while bob came out of the barn again and just walked over to us and it was not a press conference just shooting the bull and uh, he told the story of how as he was walking justify around every other horse that was in that stable stuck their head out the window and started making noise and carrying on like there was some sort of <laughs> communication going on there. And just if I wasn't doing anything so, except walking around. And David said, I'd never seen that before where every horse in the in the barn is going going Can I curse on the show, John? I'm sorry. Sure, uh-huh. yes. Okay. He's, he'd never seen it when, 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 every other horse in the barn was going bad shit, you know, over, <laughs> over walking a, a horse <laughs> through the stable. So, so they, there's an indication of something. So that it actually didn't happen in the, in, in the paddock. But, but yeah, he's a horse that commands attention no matter where he walks, and, and uh, yeah, yeah, he's an interesting specimen.
1: Yeah, and and I really think that. Uh... You kind of vindicate him at the end because of uh, how things have changed in racing and the value of a purse versus the value of breeding rights. And when you have as many uh, people involved in ownership in a triple crown winner, how there were probably a lot of, quote, influencers that were saying, look, he's done what he's got to do. He can't get any better than he is. And. Let's send him to stud with this record intact, uh, b- being you know the undefeated and doing this in 111 days. Uh, so that they know that's just one thing your readers will see that it's put you put a whole package together for him. Now, I would be remiss if I didn't tell people now that we've got them all excited about this uh, book. It justify 111 days to Triple Crown glory. Uh, that you can get the book not only at Amazon.com. But you can also go to www.triumphbooks.com slash justify. Am I missing anything?
3: No, not at all. Barnes & Noble should have them around, uh, around also, actually. So,
1: All right. You doing any book signings in the Lexington area?
3: Yeah, I am, John. Thanks. I'm Thursday, the Thursday of Derby Week, May second. Uh, I will be at the Barnes & Noble in uh, Hamburg. Uh from like six to seven that night the Thursday before Derby. So yeah, come on out.
1: All right. Well thanks a lot, Lenny. I gotta take a break here. Always great to have you on your show. I'm sure our paths will cross on Derby Week. Thanks a bunch, John. You got it. All right. Lenny Shulman there. Gonna take a break. When we come back, the man that I admire, admire. You're listening to Winning Ponies. <laughs> The Internet's number one
0: talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com.
2: And they're off! What? can't
0: make it to the track you can still get all the action with winningponies.com the home of the easy win form the most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds quarters and arabian horses at most american and canadian tracks whether it be the triple crown breeder's cup travers Haskell, or your daily races don't worry let winningponies.com make some money
2: for you pick bet and cheer on live racing from woodbine and mohawk park
1: We bring our most requested guest of winning ponies in here, a former host of the show. That's probably why he's the most requested guest because they'd rather hear them, him than me. It's the man that I admire and his name is Admire. Ed Steady, Eddie, how you doing, my friend?
4: Good evening, John. It's always a pleasure, and it's great to hear your voice. Uh, hey, a, a good friend of ours called me and said he was really looking forward to tonight's show, wanted to hear about Lenny. Uh, Doug Hansman from Florida, he really couldn't wait for the Lenny oh, part. Big fan. Big fan. I think he guy, reads a lot big of big I know,
1: Yeah, big collector, too. The guy's got an amazing uh, collection of racing memorabilia from across the country. So, Doug, if you're listening, Ed and I love you, baby. Don't you forget yes, that. We do. So, how you been? What's going on? Uh, before we uh, jump into the uh, muddy derby pool here,
4: you know this is an exciting part of the year. I'm doing great. I mean, I just, I can't wait. To, I can't wait to to see the roses. I'm hoping. Hoping for a great weather day, I think we're really due for one. I sure hope I didn't jinx it. Uh, there's going to be a lot of bad notes on your uh, on your on your session there, but uh, you know, John, I, I'm really looking forward to this time. It's so special, and as a horse racing fan, well, actually, this is the one day that everybody's a horse racing
1: fan. Well, that's a fact. But I'll tell you what. Unlike last year where – and I remember last couple of years, uh, I don't know, last 10, I think seven of the winners uh, uh, came out of uh, – they, they were all favorites that won the Kentucky Derby. And uh, it's really hard trying to, uh, you know, ferret out who the top horses are because you know I look at something like Haskins Derby Dozen or you know you can pick a lot of different uh, you know websites and things that are you know stating their uh, you know pre-derby plays um, it's it's an unbelievable uh, group that easily you know if a, if a 12 to 1 shot one you wouldn't be surprised
4: not this year I, I think this is the year that uh, if you're a value player, welcome back to the table. You know, the favorites one in about six years in a row, I believe, and long shots, three of the six have been uh, dangling around there. You know what? We I think this is a year of value, and, uh, you know, it's not, not tipping my hand about just where we're going just yet, because these next few weeks here, these next few 17 days, I think, uh, that uh, these are going to be the real crucial ones where we watch those final works. We want to know how they shipped, how they came back. We want all the little nuances. Now, this is such a magical time. I mentioned on Winning Ponies, John, in some blogs about different publications to actually read for some wonderful, wonderful information. And one that we both actually share, and it keeps us up to speed, is the Downey Profile.
1: Oh, Dick's good, and I hope they have him on next week. Ooh, great guest. I mean, he starts tracking these horses, you know, months and months before. He says he takes a list of about 100 of horses to watch and does profiles on all of them. And then each week, he either moves one closer to the front of his list or X's them off. So, uh, yeah, I I saw saw Dick uh, last week at Keelan. And, uh, you know, we, we talked about it. And he just said, you know, shoosh, same thing we're talking about right now is man nobody's got a target on their back because it's so wide open and you know again Omaha Beach okay we'll start with him I think most people are saying he's probably the 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 current favorite and he just happened to pick up a jockey common name Smith I think Mike Smith his name might be and uh so just the fact that he settled on this horse tells you something but on the other hand We know this, that if they end up with such a beautiful day as Justify had last year, where it was pouring rain, here's a horse that has no problem with an off track, and actually Improbable didn't either. So, uh, you you know, uh, Omaha Beach is going to rise to front, but is, is he beatable? yeah, he is. You know, we've still got last year's two year old uh, champion game winner who hasn't won this year, but both of his efforts have been really solid. And you know, he, he's uh, you know, handled by Bob Baffert. You can't knock him out. You can't knock him probable out. Um, and somebody that we don't normally see on the derby scene, uh, Bill Mott has this tacitus. Uh, who ran a real game race in the wood? Um, you know, and I haven't even addressed, uh, you know, Baffert's Roadster or the, the bluegrass winner Vacoma who jumped up and won a solid race. Um, I'm throwing names out there. Chime in on any of them, Ed. You know,
4: when you talk about Bob Baffert, I mean, he reminds me of a riverboat gambler who's holding about six aces, if uh, but not that many horses, but I don't think he needs that many. I mean, what he brings to the table is incredible, and in all respect to uh, Richard Mandela, you know, with his runner, you mentioned some really good ones, and something that really kind of caught my eye, this was the first year in many years we've had the jockey run around right at this far out, Mike smith making a decision for for omaha for you know, to ride omaha beach Florent drew is going to ride roadster who tipping my finger right now is is the one i'm dipping in the water and, and hoping that uh, we come out right but you know smith has ridden both of these runners so he has a real advantage there D- to draw a rider like Florent drew uh you know that is incredible uh johnny v gonna ride code of honor now, I think that's that's a big move. And Joel Rosario stays with game winner. So, you know, if you're a big fan of, you know, a rider staying with the mount, uh, you you got to be loving Joel Rosario right now. But you know what? Right now with Roadster, I'll take Ferran Teru, and I'm envisioning about five to six to one.
1: You know, and I was surprised, too, Ed, on this subject, uh, that uh, Julien Le Peru a week ago said he was going to ride the horse from Japan.
4: You know, I watched Julian today, and I was just watching Keeneland races and just enjoying the beauty, and I watched him ride, and he gives a flawless ride even when he doesn't win. I think that if there's anyone that can actually stand up on the international stage and, and welcome, uh, welcome over some visitors and, and, and a horse that actually might be a big surprise, it's going to be Julian. And he's the guy that can actually pull that, uh, pull that magic trick to really make it happen. A lot of people would say, we'll, we'll go right with Mike Money Smith, uh, Money Mike Smith. And, and, but I'm a big fan of Julian. He kind of floats under the radar. This guy is better still after all these many years he's like a fine bourbon it's just really mellowed out perfectly i watched him today and you know what he fanned out three right perfect just didn't have enough but you know what tucked over to the rail and held his best spot and it made me really appreciate just getting to watch that but john this is this is going to be the year i'm going to say we're going to see at least 12 to 15 dollars of a payout for the win
1: i would not be surprised at all ed You know, because what we're seeing, I think, in a lot of these preps is uh, horses quickly maturing. I mean, you know, we just talked to Lenny about, you know, Justify and how in 111 days span, this horse turned into a beast. And I think some of these horses are, are physically improving, mentally improving. They're getting new experiences on different surfaces. Uh, they're traveling to tracks, uh, running on off tracks, fast tracks. Um, and of course, none of us know what's going to happen on Derby Day that, you uh, it's going to be one of those things that you're going to want to watch them in the post parade before you make your damn bet on the first Saturday in May.
4: I'll tell you this, there's been something that's been amazing at the Keeneland meet that I've never really paid this close attention to it because... There hasn't been this many. The, Cal, the California invaders are really holding their own against, the, when I'm not just the Kentucky horses, but, I mean, it seems like all points from New York, Kentucky, Florida, they all gravitate towards a Keeneland meet. And then you see the left coasters. They come in every once in a while, and they'll, they'll be in a stake. But, John, something I've really seen this year has been how they've really gravitated over Hey, this is this is the year of a brand new start. I cannot absolutely wait. I'm, I'm looking for my price. I, I'm still building bankroll, as I always talk about on uh, Winning Ponies blogs. And you can't start soon enough. And even though it's late in the game, but I'll tell you what, I am so stoked. This this Derby means a lot to me.
1: Well, it's going to mean a lot to a lot of people, and uh, it's it's open for a whole lot of conversation there is no horse to beat in my opinion uh because uh It'd be very hard to put a list together of my derby dozen, I'll be honest with you. Well, Ed, uh, because all the derby races are over, we've got a cacophony of races to look at this week. Let's see if we can get through them in the time allotted. Of course, uh, Charlestown, they hang their hat on their grade two million dollar Charlestown Classic. And I'll be honest with you, it seems like yesterday, but it was two years ago that the Charlestown Classic had Imperative getting up by a neck over Matt King Cole, who was a neck in front of Imperative's stablemate, War Story. Now, Imperative uh, has not uh, won a race in two years. Meanwhile, a War Story has won two races in two years so as much as those horses like charlestown and have a history in this race i think you maybe got to move your eyes over to uh, some new players in the game and i want to know where ed meyer's eyes are going
4: new shooter stepping right up number three diamond king javier castellano Castellano going a mile and an eighth. It's, it's not a distance that you run 15 times a day. Once upon a time, the longer races held sway. But a mile and an eighth, you, you'll start seeing maybe one on the card, two if you're lucky. But you're going to see a mile and an eighth here, and you've got a real speedster. Javier Castellano going in, you talk about the money man of the moment. Javier Castellano is just absolutely torturing them at Keeneland. And if it holds sway in Charlestown, This is second awful layoff. It's Diamond King had a beautiful prep and an optional claiming 62 wins by three as the favorite going away. I think that Diamond King's going to be tough to catch with one of the biggest money riders in the country.
1: How about a what is a, a surprising mystery horse in here that uh, John Velasquez will be traveling to Charlestown uh, to ride Rally Cry? I don't have any odds in front of me, but I got to guess this horse is probably about ten to one. But uh, it, it, it's a Pletcher trainee. But when you go back and look at the races that that Velasquez uh, ran in them, I mean that he rode them. I mean, he finished second to gun runner, you know, back in 17, only ran twice last year, didn't hit the board. And uh, he's just kind of a mystery horse. What surprises me that Johnny V is making the trip uh, to ride him for Todd Pletcher. So, you know, I've got to keep a uh, shy eye to him. And uh, so I'm not sure who else I would want to put underneath. You know, I'm looking at, uh, you know. Edgar Prado, who's always dangerous, but uh, on something awesome, uh, and he won this race last year um, at at odds of nine to one. So I guess you can't throw him out because he's he's one for one at Charlestown. Is anybody else you like underneath?
4: Yeah, I'm going to drop right over to the rail, and it's a closer. It's Mongolian Groom, Giovanni Franco. This is a California horse, not a California bred. Uh, I'm going to call it a left-coast invader here. Actually, in the Santa Anita Handicap, ran a beautiful third that day at 53-1. to Uh, Giovanni Franco is is a very nice little rider. He's very solid. He's going to be getting the rail, and he's nothing but a stone-cold closer. So that looks the end at your tries right there, John.
1: All right. All right. Let's uh, go down to a place you're familiar with, Keeneland Race Course in Lexington, Kentucky. A mile and a half on the turf might be a little soft. I'm hearing they might get some moisture uh, in on uh, Friday and possibly on Saturday. But. Uh, Again, no odds in front of me, having a hard time separating them, but I'm just looking at uh, class. You just talked about uh, uh, Julian Le Paru. He's riding this uh, "Tis A Slam, who doesn't duck any competition. He's won uh, 729000 15 to and 1. At, at, really? And For then real. another horse, uh, you know, just on class alone, is a bigger pitcher, Tyler Gaff. Leone will be riding this horse for Mike Maker. But you look at all of his starts that make the, the PPs that I'm looking at Nothing but graded stakes wins, and he's won $1.4 million. I'm sure I'm missing somebody else, and that's probably a horse that's probably pretty favored. Zulu Alpha, I think, looks very dangerous in here. It has won at Keeneland. Uh, After it got in the hands of uh, Mike Maker, this horse has really developed into a nice turf runner.
4: Agreed completely. Zutal Alpha, eight to five. Jose Ortiz and Mike Maker teaming up. They went 23% as a team, and you got to like those those numbers right there. And Zulu Alpha is one for two over the Keeneland surface. And John, rain is in the forecast a little bit tomorrow, and tomorrow night really heavy uh, in the, in that area, in the Lexington area. So be sure to check out the weather before you start pulling the trigger for wagers. But Zulu Alpha, the more cut in the ground, the softer, the good, the yielding, the, the soft. Uh, I, I think Zulu Alpha is only going to benefit or t- Tease is an 18% winning turf rider. you got to love those numbers. Mike Makers, uh, he's only winning 8%, but you had you'd alluded to big picture. That's actually the Mike Maker sandwich for me, Zulu Alpha on top of bigger picture.
1: <laughs> Sounds delicious, Ed. That's all I can say. As a man who I've seen eat many a sandwich, <laughs> all right.
4: <laughs> Not afraid. Not afraid
1: at all. Well, you almost always in the Preakness Stakes will find a horse that came out of the Federico Tessio, who is a marvelous breeder of note. So with three minutes left, we'll see if we can get through this and the race at Santa Anita. I got my big star by Always Mining. Uh, talk about a horse changing hands. All of a sudden, when it went into the stable at Kelly Rubley, this horse has reeled off. I believe five in a row, and has no problem with Laurel. You know, I'm a horse for course guy. Seven starts, six wins.
4: Agreed all the way around. Always mining is one to five. Seven starts over Laurel, six wins, incredible. But something that caught my eye, John, the last three races, seven furlongs, a mile, a mile and a sixteenth, this time a mile and an eighth. You told me once a long time ago don't play a horse who hasn't done something in their past. And so, okay. Now, a lot of them haven't run a mile and an eighth, but they keep stretching out. It makes that one to five to me look not as sweet. I'm trying to beat the chalk. I'm going to go with number five, Tybalt. Eight to one, heavy in Toledo, in the irons, or Claudio Gonzalez, who's winning 25% of the time. Tybalt is five for five in the money in Laurel, and if the bad weather kind of makes it to the, uh, to the Maryland area there, I see that uh, three for three on an off track always knocking on the door his run against always mining usually finishes second or third always knocking on the door having toledo is a very underrated rider and when he runs the big time routes going to mile and eight he wins 27 percent of the time for me i'm going to try to beat the chalk let's go with tie
1: all right, we're about two minutes to post here for the finale. The Kona Gold, grade two, 200,000 out at Santa Anita. Um, I'm leaning towards Dr. Door just made his comeback race, ran second in a grade two. Love Santa Anita, nine starts, five wins, two seconds. How about the distance? Never been defeated at six and a half furlongs.
4: You make it awfully tough. I'll tell you what, Dr. Doerr, I mean, we're even handicapping like on the phone, John. Dr. Doerr comes from the Baffert Barn with Joe Talamoni Irons. It's the son of Looking and Lucky, as you said, two for two at the distance, seven for nine in the money over the course, making second start of the year. Now, this is deep April, so that's, you know, They've got something in mind here. has some really sharp works, and I think his skills are just kind of honed and ready for this part of the season. His campaign is going to come rolling out. Anything from the Baffert Barn, you know they've been well tended. I see Dr. Door really being tough. I'm going to use over the other Baffert trainee, number four, Zatter. It's a trainee, uh, Drayden Van Dyke aboard, third uh, third off of uh, Son of Midnight Loot here. And when Baffert and Drayden Van Dyke hook up, they win 31%. So hook me up with Dr. Door on top with number four, Zatter for second.
1: All right, Adam told i got to get the heck out of here. Love hearing your voice all the time. Be well, my friend, and thanks for joining us once again. I greatly appreciate it.
4: True pleasure, John. Best of luck to all your listeners.
1: All right, and uh, don't forget uh, that uh, you can... Uh, Get Lenny Shulman's book at uh, Barnes and Noble or Amazon.com Uh also, uh, don't forget the name of it is Justify 111 Days to Triple Crown Glory. So uh, believe me, just from what I've had a chance to read, it sounds like a great one. Thanks for joining us. Pull down your easy win forms. Great racing from coast to coast, and we got easy win forms that are the most. I'm John Engelhart. You're listening to Winning Ponies. Remember, when you go to the races, bet with your head, not over it.